Hey there, all you ghouls and goblins. Radio 85.9 proudly presents Horror Zoid with your hosts, Stevie Scares and Natalie Nightmare, talking all things horror from the 80s, 90s, and today. Today's episode is brought to you by Ash's Cabin Cleanup Crew. Don't let deadites get you down. Call Ash's Cabin Cleanup Crew today. Welcome back to another episode of Horrorzoid, everybody. I'm Stevie Scares. And I'm Natalie Nightmare. And if you turn this on thinking it was another horror podcast, that's okay. Stick around. You'll like us. We promise. We, we're different. <laughs> we're, di- we're not like the other podcasts. <laughs> I'm not like the other girls. Today, it is all about Cabin in the Woods movies. And no, we're not just going to be talking about the movie Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is a whole fucking vibe. I would say, I could probably, I could talk about that for a whole episode. We could. We talk about that all the time, how we could do an episode on just one movie. And I yeah. think we're really, I think we're, I think we're pushing ourselves. <laughs> I don't, I think we'd get to like minute 20 and be like, the fuck do we do now? Right. Exactly. So we won't be doing that. No, but Cabin in the Woods, Natalie and I got into kind of a discussion when we decided to do this episode about a Cabin in the Woods movie, and she was very, she was very rigid and very, very much a stickler on it has to be a cabin. And I had to convince her, no, a Cabin in the Woods movie doesn't just have to be in a cabin. I'm learning with every themed episode that we do like this, I I split a lot of hairs. You do. You're a hair splitter, and that's okay. There's a lot of people in the horror community that love to split hairs. We mm-hmm. talked about it in the last episode. Horror yeah. fans are nitpickers. Yeah. And that we are notorious for that. And that's okay. But... I'm telling you, I'm telling you, for Cabin in the Woods, it's a vibe. It doesn't just have to be a cabin. It can be a lake house. It yeah. can be, you know, some it's an nice away home. home. And I don't mean like, you know, your your fancy mansion in a splat in the middle of a neighborhood. I mean like no. your away home. Like we've talked enough shit around. about when a stranger calls. We don't need to pick <laughs> that one apart anymore. No. Uh, but yes, no. Cabin in the Woods, like it can really be anything. And that was kind of my thinking going into this episode. Cabin in the Woods, it's kind of an extension of folk horror a little mm-hmm. bit. It has bit, that yeah. that atmosphere of being out in the middle of nowhere. And I think when we were talking about folk horror, that was one thing. Remember, I got hung up on. I said, no, yeah. no, it can be this. It can be that. But you were right in that instance, that folk horror has to have that folklore element. Sure. And that I'm glad we stuck to that because I think we had a very comprehensive and very specific list of these wonderful movies that comprise the folk horror genre. Yeah. I say you could just split it even more and do a middle of nowhere movie because there's a lot of those that aren't a cabin in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Right. It would give so. me an excuse to talk about one of my favorite hidden gems in the horror world, which is Rest Stop. I love that fucking movie. See, I was thinking immediately The Ruins. The Ruins, that's another good one, right? That's yeah. a great... We talked about that in full horror. That was mm-hmm. another good one. But today, it's all about The Cabin in the Woods. And what is a Cabin in the Woods movie? Well, it's pretty simple, but Cabin in the Woods movies... It's, you know, yes, of course, you can have a cabin, but it really, the, your characters need to be out in the middle of nowhere. They need to be secluded. They need to be isolated. Yeah. They need to be in a position where they could get fucked up by anything <laughs> out in those woods. Exactly. And that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if you think some of these films don't belong on this list, or maybe they should have been another list, uh, we don't care. So... <laughs> No, I was going to say, come bitch at us on TikTok. We like the interaction We do. There. We love getting bitched at and on I TikTok. And I will say one thing we are excluding. Um, we didn't want to include cabins like camp cabins because it's a yes, camp very good distinction. setting. And even though they're cabins, I feel like having a whole summer camp 
isn't necessarily a cabin in the woods movie to me and it's kind of its own category so right kind of split that one so no no camp cabins uh together in this movie not in this episode not in this episode no not in this episode but we do promise next summer get your sunblock get your beach towel because we're going to camp we're going to talk about all about our favorite summer camp horror movies because that, like Natalie said, that is a fucking genre all into oh, its, its own. Oh, it's perfect. And we will get into that. But Absolutely. it's all about the Cabin in the Woods movies. You might think this is a good weekend to get away, but you'd be fucking wrong. wrong. It's not. It's not. It is uh, horrible, awful things lurk in the woods, and we're going to show you exactly what that is. But before we get into that, time for some housekeeping notes and a big announcement. So first, as always, leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. Always helps push us and helps us grow. Uh, Email us at horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you're looking for when we launch Patreon next year. We have a ton of great ideas ourselves. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about some of them before we started recording. So a lot of good stuff in the works. And uh, send us your scary stories. We always want scary fucking stories. If something spooky happened to you, let us know. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're a good writer. It doesn't matter if you know what punctuation is. It doesn't matter if you can spell good. But I don't spell so good. No either. one spells so good around here. And you can email it anonymous. We don't, you know, you yes. don't have to have a name if you just have a fucked up scary story and paranormal mostly. And, yeah. Uh, you know, demons and shit. Demons. Right. But uh, black eyed yeah. children. If you've encountered black eyed oh, children, yeah. I fucking want to hear that. Send, Cryptids, it, send it to us. If you have encountered the Loch Ness Monster, we want to hear about <laughs> it. We, we're going to do a whole episode on cryptids in the future. So yes, send us that stuff. Horizoidpod at gmail.com. And of course, before uh, we get into anything here, we're going to talk about the fact that we will be launching Patreon next year. But mm-hmm. until then, there is a link Wherever you're listening to this episode, there's a link that you can find where you can financially support us. We've had a few people ask about this, so I wanted mm-hmm. to throw that out there. You can still, if you want to give us any you know, any financial contribution, any monetary contribution, it's not required, of course, because no. we give this show out free every week, and we love to. But if you want to be a supporter, we would always encourage that, mm-hmm. and you can do that. There's a link wherever you're listening to this episode. Just follow that link where it says support this show. And you'll be able to make a contribution. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to support us and this little show that we're doing, please do. Also... And Natalie didn't know this for the longest time. <laughs> this is, this is a, I was today years old. Yes. That I but, learned that there's another link there wherever you listen. That, again, will take you to Anchor. But you can actually leave us a message. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, I don't care if it's, you know, you want to shit on us for not talking about or shit please. talking one of your favorite movies, do it. If you just want to send us something funny to support us, you can do it. But, yes, there is a link. Click it. It'll take you to our anchor, and you can leave us a message. Right. To play on air. Yeah, you will be on the show. If you want to be on Horrorzoid, yeah, just drop us a voice message. Uh, It can be a question. It can be a comment. You can tell us we suck. You can tell us you love (laughs) us. Either way, we will put you on air. If you want to be on Horrorzoid, this is your chance. Yeah, we're a radio show for a reason. That's right. And don't forget Horrorzoid.com. You can follow all of our links. Find us on social media. All the good stuff is there. Now, with that stuff out of the way, we have a big announcement. We're excited to tell you guys about this. So without further ado, 
2022 may have been the best year in horror. You're right. We had new films that came out of nowhere like Smile, Nope, and Pearl. We also had new entries in some of our favorite franchises like Scream, Halloween, and Hellraiser. What an iconic and memorable year for horror fans. Simply incredible. But how do we honor the best year in horror? Hmm, good question. Do we rank them all? Well, we kind of did some of that. Do we do another sequelizer? <laughs> I don't think the world's ready for that yet. How do we show our love and appreciation for each and every performer and film that impressed us this year? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Award show. Bingo! Before the ball drops on New Year's Eve, check out the Horrorzoid Awards. We will be paying tribute to some of the best films of 2022 by presenting them with our first ever Horrorzoid Awards. Natalie and I will each select winners from all the categories that make us love horror. See who we picked for our Scream Kings and Queens of 2022. See what each of us chose as the best film of the year. And of course, what were the best kills, chills, and thrills throughout the year. So many difficult decisions lie ahead of us, but we're ready and we hope you are too. Make sure you check out our New Year's Eve episode to find out our winners. Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you can listen literally anywhere. You're forgetting the best part about the award show though. What's that? You don't have to get dressed up and listen to a bunch of annoying speeches. The Horizoid Awards come to you December 31st on all podcast platforms. And as Natalie said, black tie optional. Horrorzoid Awards in two weeks. Two weeks, everybody. We're so excited. Oh, we've been so pumped about this. This has been in the works for a while. We were sitting there trying to deliberate about what to do. Should we do a end of the year ranking? You know, 2022 has been fucking bananas. It's been huge. And we've only been here for a very small part of it. But it's been so much fucking fun. We're 20 episodes at this point. And... Even though there's a lot that's come out this year that we haven't talked about, we want to be able to have one episode where we talk about our favorite moments and spooky shit and awesome actors and awesome movies. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. We're doing some cool categories, of course, like we mentioned in the trailer. Scream King, Scream Queen, Mm -hmm. uh, Best Kill, Most What the Fuck Moment of the Year. (laughs) I'm so pumped, guys. This is going to be a fun episode. The reason I'm, we're, we're promoting it early is because we want to know what you think. What were your favorite films of 2022? What was the best performance? What was the best fucking kill? Yeah. What just went over the top for you and you couldn't stop thinking about it? Terrifier 2. <laughs> we want to hear about it. So, yes, if you find us on any social media platform or want to email us and you want to get in on the episode, send us a voice message. We we're just talking about this. Yeah. Send us I'm anything so you can. We love that kind of interaction with you guys, and we always want to hear from you. That's the best part about this community, honestly, is the horror community just becomes this big bear hug where everybody loves the same shit and or gives you shit for loving something that they hate. Right, but, but it's, it's like it's, it's just all like, mo- you know for the most part. It's like bullshitting it's, with it's your friends, fun. though. That's yeah. that's kind of our that was our whole mission in starting this podcast is we want to feel like. You know, Natalie and I sit around and we talk about horror movies all the time. We just figure we might as well put some microphones on. So we don't talk yeah. any different about movies in, you know, off camera. This is just what we do. We just decided to record it. So yeah. we would love for you. We hope you feel like the third, fourth, fifth person in our group here in our discussions. And thank you for inviting us into your home. But we want to invite you into ours. And yeah, give and us And this a, week it'll be our cabin. Oh, this week it's our cabin. And 
for Cabin in the Woods, uh, Natalie brings up a good point. We're back to Cabin in the Woods. This is our theme for the week. And we got uh, a couple shout-outs we want to give this week. Not not as many as last week. Uh, <laughs> you guys fucking loved remakes, apparently. Yeah, it, holy shit, That was man. one of our... That episode blew up, and the the TikToks went crazy, and the yeah. social media went crazy. Everybody loves remakes, so we're and gonna have to so do another much one. There's so more we wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, obviously we can't do this for well, we could do this for hours, but you know, there's so much we have to you know cut out. We have to yeah. only get so many movies in one episode. So I know we can talk all about more remakes. Yeah, we'll do more one. remakes in the future, and uh, we appreciate all the feedback. And this year, again, feedback was a little bit more mild, but we do want to give a couple shout-outs on TikTok. We did our usual video of the week where we asked, "What is your favorite Cabin in the Woods movies?" Got a couple good responses here. Uh, Megan, our friend, uh, her screen name is Never Ever Evermore. So go follow her. She has some great content, great videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said her favorite is Cabin in the Woods. It's such a good movie. It is such, such a, a good solid movie. pick. Of course, we got to talk about Cabin in the Woods on the Cabin in the Woods episode. <laughs> right. Uh, Bella Lugosi, one of our besties on TikTok. Uh, Bella Lugosi, of course, said Evil Dead is their favorite. Which and is awesome because that's exactly where we're going to be fucking that's starting. That's where we're starting, Bella. <laughs> so we hope you're listening. We hope you and Alistair are nestled tight and listening to it and somewhere cozy. <laughs> oh, I love Alistair. Alistair's yeah. one of our favorites. If you don't know, go follow Bella Lugosi on yes. TikTok. Her and the little... delightful Alistair. Yes, Unless you're sidekick... terrified of ventriloquist dummies. Yes, then... their sidekick Alistair is one of the highlights of my day when I pull up TikTok. So <laughs> yes. Definitely go check them out. Uh, but yes, we're going to start by talking about the original, in my opinion, Cabin in the Woods movies. I'm sure some other movies took place at fucking cabins before that. Oh, sure. But to me... The quintessential, the number one Cabin in the Woods movie is The Evil Dead from 1981. Absolutely solid. Iconic. I mean, it's gone on to have its own TV series. Right. It has a TV series. Uh, The TV series is great. Evil Dead Rise, supposed to launch in 2023. Here we are at the end of 2022. We're getting so much closer to Evil Dead Rise. 2023 is looking so fucking awesome right now with our movies. But that one is one that we've been super, super excited for a while now. Yeah. Evil Dead Rise is going to be a high of 2023 i'm sure whether it's good or bad because you know it's big enough to where yep. whether it's good or bad people are going to talk about it <laughs> exactly yeah and I, but it all started back in 1981 a guy named sam Raimi and another guy named bruce campbell uh two guys from michigan decided to set out and make a movie and this was back in the day when you had those those really starving artists you know mm-hmm. that late 70s early 80s vibe horror filmmakers were inspired by seeing uh, what Toby Hooper did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what John Carpenter did with Halloween, and they wanted to go out and make their own movies. And Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell went to the middle of the woods, and they did just that. They made some of the best fucking horror visuals that I've ever witnessed. Yeah, a hundred percent. They're everything about this movie is fucking awesome. It is. They're geniuses, and it's it's one of those things where when they set out to make the movie, obviously they wanted to make this very serious horror movie Mm -hmm. they wanted it to be taken very seriously in the world of horror but it kind of came out a little bit more slapsticky than they had imagined i I think they went a little bit more comedy uh which just seemed to trickle into you know more and more and more right every movie right it was almost the first unintentional horror comedy Right, because everyone says yeah. that these movies are horror comedy. Right. Well, and that's what that's what I'm getting at is the yeah. next movie, Evil Dead Two. Right. They they fully embraced the slapstick nature that they kind of stumbled upon in mm-hmm. that first movie, and they came out with Evil Dead Two, which is this is going to sound really weird, but Evil Dead Two is literally just 
the same movie over again with a little bit more humor. Right. They kind of half requeled. I don't know what they <laughs> like. They it were is the, one of the they first like legacy sequels. People, yeah. yeah, before people knew what it was. Yeah. And it's funny because I saw this one first. It actually was yeah. years and years before I watched the original Evil Dead mm-hmm. because everyone was like, "Ah, eh, don't worry about the first one. Just watch the second one. It's the same thing but better." And that's what I heard like all through middle school and high school. And I just it I was probably in my twenties, but by the time I actually watched the first Evil Dead movie. I yeah, and I don't think I ever quite understood what people meant when they said, Oh, yeah, don't bother with the first one, because it's like, why would you not bother with the first one? But it really is one of those where if you don't see the first one, I recommend mm-hmm. watching all of them because they all have their value. Yeah. But if you do skip the first one, it is the same plot repeated in Evil Dead 2. Right. But again, they play it more for humor. It's not as uh, serious mm-hmm. uh, as the other one was was originally intended to be. Right. And of course, it just went off the rails when with Army of Darkness. That really wasn't a Cabin in the Woods movie the way the right. first two were. Uh, but yes, Army of Darkness, uh, a blast. We'll talk about that another time when we get into more like fantasy horror. Yeah, and then you get, of course, in 2013, uh, Fede Alvarez gave us another Evil Dead movie, which at first we thought was maybe a reboot of the series, uh, but actually just kind of is part of the series with the little groovy ending that you get. Yeah, the post credit scene with Ash totally caught me off guard. Yeah. It was a little spoiled for me, I'm not going to lie. Because I remember telling everybody, it was like, I'm not going to watch Evil Dead 2013. Because first <laughs> off, we thought it was a remake. Yeah. We'd had enough shitty remakes. Wasn't ready for another one, okay? But even if this was a remake, like, names aside, like, I know we kind of talked about what makes a remake a remake last week. But, you know, you still get the similar uh, setup and structure, even down to the uncomfortable scenes like the fucking tree and, you know, someone trying to drive away and shit being flooded. But in the original movies, these teenagers are like going out to this cabin in the woods. It's like a vacation. Right. They're Whereas, going there to, the, to party, get fucked up, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Celebrate and do whatever the fuck yeah. you do. Yeah. Cause they were like college age kids. Yeah. Even though Bruce Campbell like, already looked like he was fucking 45. <laughs> yeah. I love Bruce Campbell, but he's always looked like how he does now to me. Like he's, <laughs> he, he hasn't aged in my opinion. I agree. A hundred percent. But in 2013's Evil Dead, it's like they're all going to a cabin to like help a girl like break an addiction, like mm-hmm. seclude her, uh, stay with her while she's, you know, going through all of these withdrawals and things like that. So it's got a darker tone even from there. And you get the nods, you know, like there's the car that's like stuck mm-hmm. in the vein, you know, the vines and stuff and like the cabin, obviously. Um, but it all unfolds pretty much the same. It does. It's it's a very similar premise and setup to the original Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a final guy. Ash right. was really the fi- first final boy yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, but we don't get that in this movie. We get a true final girl mm-hmm. in Jane Levy's Mia. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite characters, to be honest, in, yeah. in recent horror movies. Like in the last Her 10 years. Her performance in this movie is... Like next to none. It's like one of those movies you couldn't put anyone else in any of these roles and have mm-hmm. it be as good of a movie as it was. They all had really good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt believable. They did. There's a couple lines in the beginning, like between her and her brother, where you're like, ugh. But I, I've come to I've come to accept that with horror movies, you're just gonna have these moments of awkward dialogue. Right. Like we talk about all the time. We just watched Black Christmas because we're getting ready to do Christmas next week. Mm-hmm. Great movie, but some trash 
trash dialogue. Some some really bad. It's like right. there's moments you're like, oh, this is beautiful, and then you're like, what the fuck was that right. line? But it doesn't make me love the film any less. It's just it's no, hor- not I, at all. So it's just one of those things I've come to accept with horror movies that yes, right. but it's funny because you look at it and there's some amazing talent in this film. You know, Jane Levy mm-hmm. plays uh, Mia, the lead character. You know, the girl who's trying to kick drugs. Uh, Lou Taylor Pucci, who we love from you, he played yeah. Benji. Oh, he's uh, great. He does an amazing job in this film too. We get the post credits cameo from from Bruce Campbell as Ash. Mm-hmm. So yes, this movie is chock full of a ton of great elements, great cast, and just a fucking bonker story. Like it takes yeah. the Necronomicon and the folklore established in the original Evil Dead movie. Mm-hmm. It just turns it on its ear. And, and like, yeah. I didn't really think that they were going to go too deep with the Necronomicon and its origins of evil. But they evil. go harder. Oh, they really do. Like, that fucking opening scene is one of my absolute favorites. It's where one the, of the best fucking movie openings where you just see, yeah. like, you're in the middle of the shit. Like, yep. the girl's possessed. She's mm-hmm. fucking tied up. They're get, like, pouring gasoline on her. And she's like, begging them to stop, begging them to stop. I right. fucking love that. Like, that's the climax of a movie. Right. No, and but it's this like, is you our get fucking it in the beginning. beginning. Yeah. And then it goes into this sad little weird romance stories and just bizarre odd opening dialogues but it just it gives you everything in the beginning and goes oh let's go back to the beginning before it literally unleashes because this is one of those movies that i still will like kind of partially like cover my eyes oh yeah because there's like the needle scene in the bathroom it just does it for me. Needle scene I in the bathroom. Fucking glass, the broken glass. I'll tell you what though, we're talking about that in that beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fucking scene where she looks at him, she's like, Daddy, I'll rip your soul apart. Yeah. I was like, fucking right into it. Like, we are into the thick of this shit, and I love it. But you're right, they do. They pull back very well. We mm-hmm. get the Mia story. We meet her friends. We meet her family, her brother. And it is, it's fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. The like, tones of that movie are just they're so good and they flow so well. Yeah. And that movie just does everything right to me. It, I think it's probably one of my favorite horror movies ever. It's one of the few. I, I don't know if I rank it 10 out of 10. Time may tell on that one. But it's definitely a 9.5. Like, yeah. it's it's damn near perfect. I love Evil Dead 2013. I love all the Evil Dead movies. But 2013, it, it came along and I wasn't expecting much. But I was fucking blown away. Right. Same here. Next movie we want to talk about is a recent favorite of ours. Came to us from Shudder, and it's called Deadstream. I God, I wasn't expecting this movie to be as cool, and it very much has an Evil Dead slapstick vibe to it. It's a fucking Evil Dead movie without the title. Like I'm convinced. <laughs> like I, I put it out on Twitter a few times. I think I even tweeted at uh, the filmmakers. This is mm-hmm. directed. Uh, and written by uh, Joseph Winter and his wife, Vanessa Winter. They mm-hmm. uh, co-wrote, co-directed the film, and they created something beautiful here. But I, I tweeted at them, and I said, guys, this is the most evil dead movie without having the evil dead name. Absolutely. And I, everybody was like, I totally agree. I think this is something that really could honestly be in the evil dead canon if they wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, with the way the, the specters... Uh, you know, whenever they become corporeal and they're kind of comical, like, but they're really creepy at right. the same time. You know, that's how the deadites feel because they do feel like deadites, <laughs> don't they? I agree. It feels like fucking deadites. Well, it's like I know it's like the huge iconic scene in the old movie for Evil Dead 
is whenever she's like pushing the the floorboard up and she's got her head cocked and she's kind of looking out and you know her makeup was pretty like the old dead eye makeup was pretty over the top whereas in 2013 she's just like bloody and her eyes are freaky oh i love the 2013 like, design but yes no go yeah ahead. they they add like prosthetics to the face and they make them look more just hollow and creepy yeah and that scene is kind of funny to me every time i watch right. it and that's how i felt watching Deadstream. Yes. Because there's these weird interactions. Like, there's a scene where he can't see what's in front of him, but like, it's coming up on camera. And so he's like looking at the camera and moving, and like, it's like right in fucking front of him at I one point. I love it. But like, the way she acts is really comical towards him. Yeah. And it's like, I, the whole time I'm watching that movie, I'm like, what is this reminding me of? It's like, I feel like I'm watching something else. Once I started thinking about Evil Dead, especially with yeah. the way it was, the, the lighting was too, it was almost lit like it was filmed in the 80s because it's, it's found footage. Well, you the know, lighting in a lot of the, because you have these high camera angles right. and you have the POV cam. And yes. like, there were a lot of like wild, like zoom ins in Evil Dead. And you uh-huh. kind of get that feeling with the way this movie is filmed too. Great point. Great point. Yeah, the 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 way it is filmed, like I I said again, I said several times, Vanessa and Joseph Winter clearly went to the Sam Raimi school of directing <laughs> yeah. and filmmaking because like there were shots that he's been using for years, you know, mm-hmm. even in shit like Dark Man and fucking Spider Man, you know, yeah. though you can see those shots that Sam Raimi uses. And again, I see a lot of similarities with the way Vanessa and Joseph filmed this movie, mm-hmm. even though it's found footage. And obviously the ones back in the eighties were not found footage. Right. It, it, it's different, but at the same time, God, it just captures the spirit of what Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell made all those years ago. It captured that magic once again. I agree. Cause it's really scary. It's really artsy looking whenever yeah. you break it down. And then you have this comical element, whether it's the main, you know, protagonist or whether it's the shit that they're running from there. It's just a fun fucking movie. It's superb. It, it is. It is superb. It's sublime. It's all of those superlatives that you can throw out there. <laughs> I, I love Deadstream, and I think they made something completely beautiful here. Yeah, I want to see more from them because between this and the short in the VHS uh, 99, 99 yeah. um, just solid fucking work from both of them yeah we also have to point out that hopefully they keep working with that actress melanie stone oh yeah she's fantastic everybody loved her in vhs Mm -hmm. i loved her in deadstream i thought she was a great supporting actress to what uh joseph winter who also plays the lead character in the movie sean ruddy (laughs) uh he so he pulls like triple duty as writer director and star but Melanie and uh, and Joseph have great chemistry on screen, and I fucking love it, and mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I hope they keep making movies together. Yeah, maybe another cool Cabin in the Woods movie. Let's see it. Let's see it. Uh, next movie we're going to talk about on Cabin in the Woods is another recent one from Shudder. This one we didn't like as much. It is called A Wounded Fawn. Right. We've seen a lot of people talking about it. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of positive... Um, reviews yeah and we're not necessarily against that we're just very in the middle on this movie but it is a a cabin in the woods movie because it's literally the middle of nowhere walk out and all you see is darkness around you kind of cabin and that's that's a huge element to it when we're talking about what makes a cabin in the woods movies i mean people our protagonists have to be 
in a position of peril in the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And of course, there's a residence. It could be a cabin, or in this case, in a wounded fawn. It's Bruce's vacation home out in the middle of the woods, yes. which. I mean, if you see the movie, he's shady enough. I'm not sure that's his fucking place. No. His acting Do they aside, even drop hints? Do they drop hints that it's not his place? Uh, I don't think so, no. See, that's wasted opportunity right there. That's, Shame on you, Travis that's, Stevens. That's one of those, maybe a second watch, I might pick a little bit yeah. more up. Um, Stevie kind of mentioned the other day, I think on, on our Instagram, that uh, we didn't completely understand this movie, and you have to bear with us. So... This is one we actually ended up talking a shit ton about just by ourselves the other day, probably for an hour or so. Yeah. Um, we'll because talk it's, more about, yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot to this movie, um, but it basically it follows a serial killer who also is in the art community and uh, likes to keep trophies from his kills. Uh, and, of course, our main uh, protagonist here is dating him and what oddly enough it's really this is one of the things that we said that we really fucking hated and it drops our rating down is they're just talking like so out loud about their personal shit but like it's in the middle of an art museum of which they all work and it's like you just wouldn't be like oh my god tell me all the details when you fuck him like it's just it's so weird like some of the dialogue in this movie just eh, it brought it down for me but you know, she packs up all this shit and they take this really weird car ride out to this cabin. And yeah. he's just red flag after red flag after red flag. Right. Anybody in their right mind would have looked at this guy and been like, uh, no, honey, I'm leaving. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I don't think I'm sticking around. <laughs> no. And there's moments where she tries to do that, but she doesn't try hard enough. Like it's that like I think that's what brought down points for me with this. Our, our main protagonist, Meredith. She, you know, she goes out into the woods, the middle of nowhere with this guy. And at first, yeah, like Natalie says, there's this really weird scene in the beginning where she's talking with her friends. Mm-hmm. They're at an art gallery. It's a very open setting. It's echoey. And yeah. they're just sitting there talking about like, are you going to fucking blow him in the <laughs> when you get there? And it's like, I don't think that's really appropriate to be talking about. Right. And it's not that we're being prudes. It's just, no. it feels like we drop so F-bombs every two seconds. We're not prudes, <laughs> guys. Just, as a woman, I don't know. Like it's, it's not that I care about what people around me would say, but it's just, it's you're like at an art museum and you work there. It just, fe- right. it, the scene felt really like out of place. It for did me. feel out of place. I was getting ready to say the exact not same thing. Not that the dialogue or anything was particularly bad. It just the scene as a whole was weird. It but, almost felt like they should have been Rob Zombie characters, <laughs> like talking yeah. outside of a seedy motel, like exactly. You gonna fuck him or what? <laughs> feels like a complete tonal shift for me and a wounded fawn. Sorry. Because that's how Rob Zombie writes people. That is how Rob Zombie writes people. You also basically get that she's only kind of gone on a few dates. Maybe it's been over a couple of months. And I'm sorry. I don't care how nice looking or how nice the guy is. I'm not going out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like where there's basically no cell service when I've only known a guy for a few months. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I watch too many of these kinds of horror movies. Well, you say that, and it's funny. I haven't mentioned this before in all of our hours of discussion of this fucking movie, but I realize, like, another thing that bothers me is it feels like a fucking Lifetime movie. Like, it feels <laughs> a like a bit, fucking yeah. Lifetime movie. It feels like if Shudder filmed a Lifetime movie, this is what it would be, because it is. It's like, 
It's like, will Meredith overcome her vengeful lover, Bruce? Find out tonight <laughs> on Lifetime. It and does have It does. Fun. It has that, that feel for it. And, yeah. and I, it's not that those movies are inherently bad. It's just that, you know, it has that cheesiness. And while right. I like cheesiness, it's the wrong kind of cheesiness. Well, and the movie is supposed to kind of have a lot of uh, 70s vibes, even down to... Uh, some of like the aesthetics in the movie and the blood in the movie, which is very orange looking. Right. And there's supposed to be a bit of camp, but it's almost like they were trying to do it, but didn't quite like, it almost feels like it's taking itself too seriously sometimes. To be even, campy, right. Even when it's trying to be over the top, like it's trying to be. But, you know, you, you have this weird situation. She's got red flag after red flag, but I'm mm. sorry, like... A little behavior is one thing, but like literally hearing a voice come from the woods behind you saying to leave uh, before you even get into the house is like, okay, I'm fucking gone. Like, I don't even need to know what it was or what I was hearing or not hearing. If I hear it and it's me going crazy, I'm still fucking leaving. Yeah, because clearly I'm not in a right state of mind wherever the (laughs) fuck I am. Yeah, it, it, it also has like and I don't want to completely pick on the movie because like we talked about, there are things that we like. I'm very thumbs in the middle. I'm not thumbs down on it by no, any means. No, not at all. It, visually, it was one of the most beautiful movies that I've ever seen. I give Travis mm-hmm. Stevens so much credit. I love his films. I love his work. He directed Girl on the Third Floor, a great movie in my opinion. Jacob's Wife, probably my favorite movie he's ever done. Mm-hmm. And now he's done this one, which again, it, it, was, it was kind of a lifetime movie kind of plot. It had some... Things that really ultimately didn't make sense in the end. It, right. I think and there, there were just, some, yeah. It, there were just some large things that didn't quite land for us. And this isn't one of those, like, there's a lot of uh, Greek mythology symbolism in this movie, right. but the movie does a really, um, a really good job of showing you what it's trying to mean, even without you knowing that Greek mythology. True. So it's not hard to figure out like that. So it's not one of those movies that I feel like you have to read all of that to understand more, but there's just, there's a lot of things that they were trying to portray that I feel like any review, any movie breakdown or movie explained I've read it's never, this is what it is. It's, this is what I think this means. Or this might be this. This could be this. <laughs> right. And it's like, we're all just saying the same shit. I mean, that's what we're saying too. It could be this. It could be that. Ultimately, like what I told Natalie, the reason I can't completely give it a thumbs up is because a movie like that where, yes, I, I've watched movies. I've seen movies where it helps to read up on it afterwards and kind mm-hmm. of fill yourself in and fill in the blanks that you may have missed throughout the film or just things that went over your head. Right. And that doesn't inherently make it a bad movie for me. No. What makes it a bad movie is the fact that ultimately I, at, when I finished watching that movie, great ending, great fucking ending. Yeah. But I love the ending at the, at the sum of its parts. I didn't care enough to go read those things. I didn't care right. enough to go look it up. It was just one of those movies that happened, and I realized that, yeah, I could look this up, but is it going to make me enjoy the movie anymore? No. And no, I'm, and, yeah. and I agree, because I, I know I, I've definitely read more than than you were going into. Yeah. And, you know, just between seeing what people were saying, you know, their TikToks popping up, but also looking at articles and reviews, there was just, there's a lot of speculation. And I feel like... I love movies where there's a lot of things you can speculate oh, and yeah, there's that's, not a clear answer. Oh, yeah, that's one of the fun answer, things. But it's like there's certain scenes with this movie that I feel like I want to be more clear. 
And it's almost like frustrating in a way. I can't quite explain it. Like, like you said, I don't want to sound like I'm just shitting on it because as a whole, I really like it. It's a very awesome, uh, good for her movie. It's a great, I call them the (laughs) evil that men do. Like yes. it, after the old Iron Maiden song, because every time I watch these <laughs> movies, that's what I hear is like the evil that men do lives on, <laughs> and that's what I hear in my head every time these women triumph over these awful fucking guys. Like yeah. at the end of that movie, when Bruce is doing what he does at the end of that fucking movie, I'm not even gonna get into it. When he's doing that, I'm lo- watching like fuck yeah, girl, and I hear that fucking song. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, like those evil that men do films, like those I you love go that, girl the movies. evil that men do films because that's it. I mean, it's not just that he's a serial killer and he's targeting certain people and going and killing them. It's he's dating them and he's like stringing this relationship along and like he's playing with these girls' minds and then he takes them out to God knows where and yeah. kills them. Well, and in the beginning we see he dangles money in front of the one woman yeah the, yeah, yeah just that, to gain you know entry to her home and right. like make him trust her and stuff and yeah. make her trust him sorry but yeah he's he's shit all around right and and they accomplish that like obviously you're supposed to hate this villain this antagonist oh, you do. Bruce, absolutely and you do it, it like it's not that it doesn't accomplish right. these certain things like it does a lot of things right it has it's a just mission like, and it does all of it i'll be honest though like and i don't and this is gonna get graphic so if you can't handle certain fucking words we're gonna use some big big boy big girl words right now there's the scene where he's masturbating in the sink and ultimately at the end of it i don't know what that was about and i'm just being blunt like what did him jacking off in the sink really ultimately accomplish right. in that film not that i don't i and you mentioned the point like oh he clearly gets off on it it's a sexual thing well, it's for him. because it's not long after he kills a woman uh, yeah he does it but it's like and you know it's this whole situation of like where he's uh, making dinner and like you can tell he makes a spectacle out of everything that he does yes and he kind of made me and maybe you hadn't thought about this but i will um you know there's the show that uh it follows a serial killer named uh, the following you've watched and there's a scene where this woman's like kind of trying to get close to the main serial killer joe who's like basically leading a cult at this point and she's like brings him a like a young college student and that sounds disgusting and it is disgusting but it's because she's like here I figured you needed something to kill and it's like he's just like I don't want your kind of charity or whatever but he ends up killing her and then he goes to this woman and there's a scene where they clearly go in to have sex Mm -hmm. and so I think it's just for him depending on you know the mind of that killer you know we have plenty of real serial killer documentation that are like this where that's probably one of their highlights because of something that they've completed. They've had this whole, you know, scene. And I think that's why that scene at first I was like, what, why? But then the more you think about it, it's, it's kind of, that's what I get from it. No, that's what I, I, I get that. No, it is well said, beautifully said, like everything you just said is right fucking on. Like I see totally the parallels between the following and, uh, a wounded fawn. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't get that. I, I, like I get that it's supposed to be something sexual for him, but it's like they didn't. I don't want them to sit there and spend an hour of the movie on why he's jacking off into the sink. But at the same time, I would. I, I don't know. I need more. I need more than just that. 
Like, showing that ultimately meant nothing to the rest of the narrative, I feel like. I don't feel like it well, added anything. And I, I see kind of what you mean, too, because pretty much the whole movie, he's not sexual towards her at all. No, it's, it's, it's very strange. Like, there's no yeah, sexual connotations, like, and then he's just in the sink. The only thing and, is, is, like, you realize that, like, I feel like you can gather enough, and maybe this is from a mind of a woman, where it shows her packing, and she's packing, uh, like lingerie that still has tags on it so like she bought it for him and it's kind of like one of those like they probably haven't even gone that far yet and that's what she's expecting to happen yeah so it's like yeah they haven't been sexual at all and i don't know maybe it's just a lot to read into but it is kind of a weird jarring scene that can pull you out of it it's not super graphic no it's not graphic it's it's more just so the fact that it's like it's just it's a really quick cut it happens Mm-hmm. And then it's never, it's not referenced it again. Again, I, I don't want them to sit there and spend an hour on it. Like, I don't need to obsess about it. Well, see, and you but say just, that I, scene, there, but for it me. It just felt unnecessary, ultimately, in the grand scheme of it. Right. No, I, I agree. And I feel like there's a lot of scenes like that in this it movie. It felt gratuitous, is, is ultimately my problem with yeah. it. I just don't feel like there was a need for that scene. It felt like it was just to shock you. Like you said, it's a very jarring scene. Well, and again, I think some of the style that they're going for, maybe that just fits into the movie making. I don't know. His other movies didn't quite feel like that, but I mean, I you know. had certain things like, you know, in uh girl on third floor, CM Punk, they have an intimate scene in that movie. Jacob's wife, you know, one of the big themes is, you know, she's getting older and doesn't feel attractive anymore. Things right. like that. So there's those tones, but it, it just like, this was like, there wasn't that tone beforehand other than a few like you said the lingerie and all that but nothing on his end i will say thank you for like giving us like a not jarring scene like every other horror movie wants to do you know at least he did it by himself (laughs) yeah exactly yeah we it was yeah the only person that was hurting that is his ego (laughs) i love josh rubin again too like there's so many things to like about the movie it just it missed the mark for us it did there's just I don't know. I feel like that's something we could go on and on about. And but we probably will. There's just Stay there's, tuned. <laughs> there's just a lot of scenes in that movie that we're like, okay. You left your scratch in your head. Yeah. Uh, one movie that we really liked that didn't leave us scratching our heads and that we really fucking enjoyed was uh, Gerald's Game. Absolutely. I kind of had to remember that this was a cabin in the woods because you it mentioned is. it. I was like, no, it's not. You were it's trying. Some, you were fighting me on this one. I just thought it was in some like rich, snooty place. And then I remembered. I'm like, wait a second. He talks about like the only neighbor or like whatever uh, housekeeper he told him not to come to. And I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, they are out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And that's why the Moodlight Man is able to get in and start sucking on some toes, man. <laughs> no, I don't fucking like him. He's so goddamn scary. I love Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game is such an amazing movie. comes to us from one of our favorite filmmakers who we will gush about in oh, the future. Oh, hail Mike Flanagan. Mike fucking Flanagan. Mike Flanagan directs this. He's directed some of our favorite movies. Directed uh, the Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, Hush, Oculus. We can go on and on, on about and how on. amazing he is. But uh, be- Gerald's Game is probably one of my favorites that he's ever done. I can see why. Yeah. I This is one of those Stephen King uh, adaptations, adaptations yeah. that I'm like... It, it sounds like such a simple idea. Like, it, I feel like Stephen King's just like, what if someone handcuffed a girl to the bed and then he had a heart attack? Like, and this, that's I call the them, movie. I call them the desk lamp uh, uh, short stories because 
and, and books because there's the scene in Family Guy where Peter's like, I wonder how Stephen King writes his books. And it's he he's in his agent's office like, all right, what's your next book? And he just holds up the desk lamp. He's like, it's about an evil desk lamp that kills people. And they're like, here's 50 million. And they do it. So it's like, it is. It's one of those, like, how did he come up with this? Like, huh, what if, yeah, like you said, what yeah. if she was just chained up and he had a heart attack? That's right. it. That's, that's it. it. And that's the movie. Right. Like eighty percent of the movie is her handcuffed to a bed, trying to figure out how to get out of it. Oh, and when she figures out how to get out, Ugh. fuck me. That is one of the most uncomfortable scenes in any film that I can remember. Like it was like I don't, I don't get scared, I don't get shocked, I don't cringe too often. I just I'm able to enjoy horror movies yeah. on a different level. This made me fucking squirm and cringe and recoil on our couch when we were watching it i will never forget how uncomfortable i f- i felt watching this movie this is definitely one of those that i feel like is a scene that i first off will never ever unsee nope and second will probably be in the top five of like the most uncomfortable horror movie scenes for me like gore related oh that is a gory scene the movie itself not gory overall but that one Mm -mm. scene pushes it to an intense level it's one of those where people ask you what is a movie you absolutely love but you probably will never watch again and for me i can comfortably say i will probably never watch gerald's game again (laughs) and and it's i love it i enjoyed it that fucking scene though is hard to watch but you can't watch that movie and not enjoy that and not endure that scene. Endure. That's that's a very good way of saying. That's it. the only way I can say it. Gerald's game will mentally fuck you up. And it's such an awesome cast. Like oh, it's a, it's a very get, Mike Flanagan cast. Right. You get a ton of uh, Flan originals, and even whether it's you know, there's a lot of time skipping and flashbacks and stuff. So yeah, you get a ton of his his originals. Obviously, his wife I think is even in there, uh, but. You know, Carla. Carla Gugino, one of one of our favorites. Uh, she'll always be the mom in Spy Kids to me. Like <laughs> right. I, I love that I love that uh, that she has gone on to be such a heroine of horror. Like yeah. she's done terrific. And then of course her work in Hill House and Bly Manor uh, and just every fucking thing she pops up in. I'm like, perfection. I love her. Every she's Flanagan Oh, she was in Wayward just... Pines, remember? Oh, yeah. Fuck. I was just, I literally just thought about that. The shoes in Wayward Pines, and I fucking loved Wayward Pines. Yeah. That feels very Mike Flanagan-esque. It really does. If they ever do that again, I think Mike Flanagan should be doing that for Amazon. I want to see Mike Flanagan do Wayward Pines for Amazon. All right. You heard it first here on Horrorzoid. <laughs> if that fucking happens, if I win some kind of horror movie lottery where that happens, I will horror die a happy man. Horror movie lottery. I'm telling you. Now, the next movie we want to talk about is... Uh, very important to the title and the theme of this episode. You don't say. Cabin in the Woods. Ah, oh, I fucking love this movie. I've Who been doesn't so love Cabin in the Woods? Like, I think this is one, like, I don't see anybody shit on this movie. Like, I see. Have you seen people shit on this? I have. Oh, so fuck. You saw my no reaction. way. No. There, there have been. What? I, you know, I, I go through a lot of comments and stuff. That's fair. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few people say that they just thought it was. Too too meta. Fuck them. And I, you know, it's just it's not their type. So if I, you thought this was too meta or not your type, fuck you. 
right fuck go right off love this movie it's I, fucking perfect this is there's not a there's not a lot of movies i will force upon people to like that i demand <laughs> you like i have a very short list is this one of your seven evil exes this is one of my seven evil exes absolutely you cannot you cannot not like this movie it has something for everybody the fact that anyone would dislike it but I, there's just so many cool fucking scenes I in love this, movie. this movie and especially you get the the scene where they're in the elevator, where they're going oh, down, and you fuck. see all the monsters. Come on. The the pinhead knockoff. Like, some of the fucking, like, slobbery monsters. Like, I yes. love the way they do that detail of, like, they're fucking beasts and shit crawling and just, like, slobbering all over these things. Yes. You get- there's Well, there's a lot of things that, that people have pointed out. You can see creatures that are from, like, different video games. Yeah. There's some of the zombies, I think, from, like, Left 4 Dead are in right. there. Uh, yeah, you see like some the, Silent Hill type shit coming out exactly. of there. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's two little girls in there that are kind of like, you know, the, the Shining, the shining yep. twins. And there's like a werewolf and even the unicorn you see. Yes. Yeah. You see a unicorn. My favorite, the fucking mermaid. A mermaid. The fucking mermaid scene. I love it. I'll never forget when it fucking eats him and like <laughs> blows the water. Oh my God. It's just so fucking Well, and I think fun. I saw something about that, that the water or like the blowhole thing was actually a mishap oh but then it happened God. and they were just like yes that's one of the best mishaps in film history then because i fucking love I it agree. when it's devouring him and just like the just everywhere oh my god can it i is say so much though, fun i think my actual favorite part and people might laugh at me for this or hate me for this is when chris hemsworth's character is like, I'm going to make the jump on my my bike. And he slams into the weird invisible barrier. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because that that was when that movie just went from like, oh my God, there's shit happening. Yeah. To like, no, you guys are fucking stuck here. You can't leave. That's exactly, it went from like, oh, it went, like you still felt like it was a typical typical Cabin in the Woods movie where they're going to escape and get out. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope. No, it's you, bigger you than realize what you think at that it moment is. they will never escape this. Right, because like yeah, you have all the scenes with the guys in the office, and you know you start to piece together what they're doing. Right, but it's like you don't think it's that serious. Like these fuckers can't leave. Right. Well, because at the and I I sound it sounds absurd even just saying this, but the fucking ending is like you realize they're feeding these fucking gods. It's a cosmic horror. It's a movie. cosmic fucking horror movie. Like <laughs> like Cabin in the Woods has when we say it has something yeah. for everybody, it literally has something for fucking everybody. It does. It is one of the plus. Best. It has the yellow Jungle Fury Power Ranger in it. That's a deep fucking pull, but kudos. Yeah, you're welcome. Yellow fucking Power Ranger. <laughs> She uh, she plays one of the main girls in the movie, not the girl yeah. who survives, obviously. No, but well, yeah. even then, kind of yeah, not. Yeah, right. But you also get, um, uh, don't you get uh, Ellen? I almost said Ellen Ripley. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, you get though. Sigourney yes, Weaver. You do get Sigourney Weaver. I love Sigourney end. Weaver. Her I, part at the end. Who better yeah. for that role? I love it whenever she pops in at the end of the movie. She did that with a movie called Paul. I think it was like an alien movie. Oh, of course. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I love Paul. Yeah, she's just like <laughs> she out does of the exact same nowhere. thing. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think they exist within the same universe and in my head canon. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, Cabin in the Woods, one of our favorites, another one of our favorites. We've talked about this one before. Mm-hmm. The Strangers. Scariest fucking oh movie. Oh my God, it's one of the scariest films. I will sit here and I will I will say it till I'm blue in the face. It is one of the few movies that scared me as an adult. Like, yeah. I remember this came along. I was an adult. 
alone in the dark watching this movie and i thought for the first time in my adult life i'm like i shouldn't be doing this this is this is a bad idea see i was like 34 when i saw this i think it's been a couple years yeah yeah because you hadn't seen i had i introduced yeah. you to this yeah. one yeah yeah that's right i've never yeah. seen this movie i remembered Oof. seeing i remembered seeing the poster like yeah. or like the yeah. video cover or whatever but that was it but yeah this um i think it's one of those things that just uh as an adult, home invasion gets scarier when you start to understand it more. It's not home alone, you know? And that's exactly how this movie plays. You know, they're at a cabin in the woods, basically. It's very, very remote. And these people just knock on their fucking door. And because they were home, all this shit happens to them. Everybody talks about the because you were home. But, like, fuck, the, the part... When she when she opens the door and she's like, "Is Tamra here? Is Tamra that here?" That fucking that girl's voice. Like I don't know yeah. what happened to that girl, that actress who did that. But um, I just want her to receive an award every year for scaring the shit out of me. Because <laughs> the minute she's like, "Is Tamra here?" Just the fucking tone of her voice sends chills down my fucking spine. Yeah. Well, in the way it's filmed, like the light on the porch is out. So you mainly just see her silhouette and like the lights kind of hitting like her, like, you know, her jeans or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's creepy the first time, but then, you know, there's a second knock and through the door this time is Tamara home. And it's just, you got the wrong home. Oh, Dude, in the, the fucking scene with the boys discovering the the bodies and everything. Oh the yeah, the beginning and end. The beginning is like, and end. Oh, it's like that that those capstone uh, shots there are fucking uncomfortable. Like, yeah. and that you hear the kid's voice over the doing the nine one one call. God, it, it like every second of that movie is just fucking uncomfortable. Even the yeah. the stuff with the personal relationship with uh, oh, with Scott yeah. Speedman and Liv Tyler, like their relationship is uncomfortable because obviously you know. They get there after she turned down his marriage proposal, and yet they right. still have to spend the weekend at this fucking cabin for this wedding they were just at. Yeah. God. There's a lot of uncomfortable shit there. Like, right. There would be nothing worse than being like, oh, no, I don't want to marry you, but we have to go stay at this cabin for the rest of the weekend in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And well, then there's a home invasion, which, you know, you right. get you get the, the creepy girl knocking on the door and stuff, but then you realize that there's a, a man and then there's another woman, so there's three invaders. Yeah. And uh, one of their friends comes home at one point. There's Ooh. other people that get involved, and it's... Whenever it's shocking, it's shocking because it so doesn't hold shocking. back at certain scenes. No, it doesn't. I remember that scene with the... The, the friend coming over, played by Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. one of my fucking favorite actors, Glenn Howerton. He is it plays the friend so perfectly, and that scene is just, it fucking shook me. Yeah. Everything about that movie, everything is just perfect. And it's, it's, a, it's probably one of the most logical horror movies I've ever seen, too, because it, like, you don't look at anything that the characters do and think, you fucking idiot. It's one of the right. few movies where I'm not thinking the whole time, you're a fucking idiot. No, Granted, they're, like, they're pretty smart about yeah. it. You know, she's quick to grab a kitchen knife when she thinks she hears right. something or she, you know, they're trying to arm themselves. And, you know, everyone's going to watch a home invasion movie and be like, oh, well, I would have done this differently or I would have done this right. differently. And it's like, you're never going to know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. And not to mention that they're in a place that barely has anything in it. It's like an away home. It's not like it's fully stocked with right. all this shit. Right. It's like some, some like, uh, summer home or something right. where out again out in the middle of nowhere yeah but hey 
whatever you think about the characters in this movie, you, we can all agree that at least it's not the sequel. Because <laughs> fuck, it. I love this movie. That sequel is absolute dog shit. Yeah, that sequel is. Um, it's a just... cabin in the woods movie too. Let's be real. I'm not. Kinda, it's because it's a trailer a in the woods. But I'm telling you, fuck that sequel, man. Yeah, it's... I, I, like I, I will the the uh, total eclipse of the heart scene. Oh yeah, is the a pool good scene. scene. Is it's a good amazing. scene. But it doesn't get it doesn't give you a pass for making one of the shittiest fucking sequels I've ever seen. No, it's just bad. Watch it once. Uh, enjoy the really good scenes. One of my favorites actually is the part where uh, the man uh, gets in the car and he's just looking at the dad who's like impaled right. and can't get out of the car, and he's just like staring at him yeah. and staring at him and yeah. staring, and you're like. God damn it! There's some really good fucking scenes. There's some good tension, but, but then there's also there's just like just so much weird plot development. The, the characters are stupid, and somehow some the main the guy dumbest. is like surviving all this shit he shouldn't, and it's just oh, it's so bad. I fucking hate that. I hope whatever sequel. more is coming for the strangers is anything at, <laughs> at least better. Than I don't that think sequel. so. I just read that they filmed three movies in five weeks. So that's what we yeah. have to look forward to with the future of the strangers franchise. The next three movies, keep in mind folks, were all filmed three movies within five weeks. Th- three. three, three, not movies. one, even shooting one movie know. in five weeks if, is extreme. If you guys can give us a really good movie that was done in a week or two, because there could be out I'm there. I'm sure there I are, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it was shit, the Strangers <laughs> trilogy directed by Rennie Harlan, who Probably did not. the fucking Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, one of them. Yeah. yeah, I don't have high hopes for this movie. No. There, any of them. But, you know, it, it'll be fun to see how they can maybe capture. They, maybe they can. Who knows? Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe, maybe they can capture we'll the same wrong. magic. Prove I don't think wrong. we are. Uh, the next movie we want to talk about, we actually just saw this recently. It's The Rental. Yes. I, I'm sad it took us two years to watch this, but our uh, to-watch list is forever a mile long. But we finally got to one. Yes. Yes. And this was uh, motivated by Dan Stevens because we, uh, we love, love Dan him. Stevens. Uh, but also because it is a, a horror thriller, and it's a very fancy cabin in the woods by the lake or ocean <laughs> yeah it's 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 a not an airbnb like we saw in barbarian but it's uh no it is kind of airbnb it but is it's a rental right it is it's it's airbnb fuck yeah. this is a we're gonna have a whole theme our cabin in the woods is gonna escalate into to airbnb, airbnb horror movies the rental and barbarian and barbarian go. we already got two we already got two <laughs> i know think there's it's gonna more keep out growing. there oh it's there's gonna be way more stories but yes the rental is like an airbnb these two couples uh, go out uh, to the middle of the woods. We find out that uh, uh, two of the characters are business partners. And then uh, Dan Stevens' character's business partner is dating his brother. And then they go out there with him and his wife. And it's a very complicated. It is very complicated. And it only gets because... more complicated as the movie goes along. Well, and it even misleads you in the beginning because it has this this woman leaning over him. And they're looking at this Airbnb. And she's like, fuck it. Let's do it. You think that they're a married couple yeah, booking their Airbnb. Yeah, you think they're a married couple. And then a guy walks in and walks up to her and kisses her. And you're like, wait, I thought that was the boyfriend. And I'm right. like, are they in a polyamorous relationship? Nope, they're brothers. And it's like, it's just a close business partner is dating close business partner's brother. Right. And then there's the wife of the other guy. It's, ugh, there's so much going on there. And it delivers on it. Because, of course, you get a, a cheating scene uh, yes. after oh. everyone 
Well, most it's of so them drop Molly. It's so fucking uncomfortable when they start when they cheat. It is. Like the from the from when you can tell it's gonna happen in the hot tub. That <laughs> yeah. scene in the hot tub all the way You're to like, like the next morning. It is it. some of the most uncomfortable do cinema yeah. I have seen. I oh, you could fucking cut that tension with a knife. It's very very well done. Like. The idea of trying to act like nothing happened and like you're like talking to his wife in the morning, oh, and like they both so they gross. both look really tired and really drained and like they're obviously really distraught and like the they do so good all the emotions every everybody in this group has perfect fucking chemistry for this movie. And they all lose their shit when they need to lose their shit or get mad when they need to get mad. Like, just in the right way together. Like, nothing ever feels forced. But that whole fucking breakfast scene is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, kudos to everybody involved in this movie. First off, it's directed by Dave Franco. Yeah. Uh, the fucking kid from 21 Jump Street. Uh, <laughs> I remember he was in season nine of Scrubs. Like, I remember th- this, this guy when he was, like, he was... James Franco's little brother. Right. And now he's directing fucking horror thrillers that are rocking my socks. Like, yeah. I love this. Like, I was so excited and I was rooting for him. I really like Dave Franco. I think he's a good, good kid, good, good, talented actor. Yeah. Um, and his wife, Allison Bree, stars in the movie with Dan Stevens, as we mm-hmm. mentioned. And Jeremy Allen uh, White. Jeremy Allen White, one of my recent favorites to come along to. He's had some big success here lately. And then the other girl is Sheila Vand, which I don't think I know her, but no, she... she's probably the one uh, member of the cast that I was least familiar with. But she right. really fucking brought it. Yeah, she totally kick ass. Yeah, she held her own with some really impressive actors there. That like she, you know, I was holding her to a high standard because of the rest of the cast, and she delivered. Absolutely, it was awesome. Again, I say she just—they all had really good chemistry together, yeah. and but you get this. Uh, really creepy scene where she's in the shower and she looks up and notices that there's a little tiny light in the shower and then everything gets just worse and worse from there. And they realize that there's cameras, but there's also uh, someone coming into their rental when they're not there or in the middle of the night. Uh. And it's, you don't know where he's at. It's so it's freaky. So, so you, you also get home invasion, you get home even invasion. though it's in a rental. You get like a very good killer in this movie, like a fucking like okay. great killer villain. Listen, like I fucking Michael love Myers. This. Like I know some people would be like, it's like discount Michael Myers, but like no, no like, I think they did he, it really well. He has a really weird, creepy white kind of old man mask. Right, I would say. And but there's no hair. It kind of reminded me of the scene in Drive where he has the realistic yes, yes. like bald mask oh, yeah. on the stuntman mask. Right, right. absolutely. It did but look it's very like much like that. White. Yeah. And I like, was waiting for him to take the mask off and be Ryan Gosling, and then this is a crossover <laughs> movie where uh, Ryan Gosling had to kill Dan Stevens because he's, he's getting too handsome. Yeah. Like that was that's what I was hoping the plot of the movie would he, be. He was in he was in uh, debt with the the mafia he, people right, that he works right. with. And, yeah. yeah. And then Ryan Gosling character from drive had to just <laughs> take him out but you yeah, know you don't you don't see him you never know who it is no you don't and he's very mysterious it's it's it is it's very it's, michael myers but there's a fucking scene in there that i was like holy shit where they're just he's fucking booking like a motherfucker through the right. woods it's like scary. and it's foggy and it is it's really scary there's a lot of really well filmed scenes in this movie agreed yeah kudos to dave franco he made something awesome and there's yeah. talk of a potential sequel nothing set in stone yet i think i would love a sequel i would love it because yeah. you don't 
again, you don't know who the guy is. Right. Uh, it kind of sets it up a little bit at the end there because you see him go rent someplace right. um, or go somewhere else, basically, and you still never see who he is, but you realize he's moved on from this mm. one place. He has moved so on. Who's he's, next? He's set up to be a, you know, a series-running serial killer. I would love it. Like This just could be one of those series. Like Obviously, it's a very well-done movie, but I could see yeah. it being like The Dentist and The Substitute. <laughs> Right. And the ice cream man, you know, those cheesy fucking like horror franchises yes. like the rental to rent this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that would be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, next movie we want to talk about. We're going to hit some other ones rapid fire here before we get to our grand finale. Uh, Cabin Fever. Cabin yeah. Fever is on our list. We talked and a little bit about this one before. We did. Um, it's. It's a movie that that happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um. It has some it, like the more I think about this movie, the more I'm like, God, like I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan. No, this is definitely one of my favorites from him. Yeah, one of his more enjoyable works, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's still not good. Like, it's not it's like not a great movie. This was on uh, around Thanksgiving, yeah, I think. I like believe. one of our our out of town friends were over here and. One of the, you know, they're, we're just laughing our asses off because the acting is absolute hot garbage Atrocious. from everybody. Uh, but you get a lot of really ugh, scenes, like the bathtub scene where bathtub she's shaving great. Uh, and her skin's like falling off. Yeah. Like, it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable movie to watch. Right. There are it's, things it's that Eli Roth does horror. well in the gross kind of body horror shit is yeah. definitely a highlight of the movie, along with yeah. our favorite scene of, you know, everybody knows not sit next to Dennis. Dennis. You know, we fucking love that quote that constantly. <laughs> it's yeah. not that it, it doesn't have its merits. It's kind of like uh, a wounded fawn in the sense that I, I'm a little thumbs in the middle on it. There's things I like. There's things I don't like. It's a so Wounded funny Fawn's to a much that. better movie, but... It's, I was going to say, it's so funny to say that, because yes, A Wounded Fawn is a much better movie, and not to mention is, like, I think certifri- certified fresh at this point with it Rotten is. Tomatoes. And it deserves but it. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't. But, like, Cabin Fever is still, like, thumbs in the middle, but it's a completely different kind of horror. Right. But it is. It's, like, there's so much, like, fun charm about it, like, with the over-the-top characters yeah. and the cool body horror that it makes up for the fact that the over-the-top characters are shitty at their acting and there's a lot of weird scenes that don't quite make sense. Like, why are you going to kill your dying girlfriend with a shovel and not, like, shoot her with a gun you just had? Right. Like, if, Didn't you just have a gun, dude? Like, like, come on. Put her out of her misery. Right. Like, right. This was, yeah, it's it's very questionable. But it's so early 2000s, too. Like, right. you see this and you're <laughs> More. like. This, More. Right. This feels <laughs> like just the perfect early 2000s horror movie like the acting yeah. wasn't great it was a bunch of kids going out in the middle of the woods to fuck like how many literally early 2000s horror movies were just about people wanting to fuck that's all that shit was and but, half of it was this kind of shit like camping right and they want to know why we are you know an overly sexualized generation of millennials <laughs> well it's fucking because of movies like this yep. every movie when we were kids was about somebody trying to get laid right and uh that's why we, I like Jason. He's just like, stop, stop it. Stop it. Get, Get help. help. That's what, exactly what Jason was about. <laughs> he was putting a stop to shitty movies like this. <laughs> now, another one, though, that's really cool because it, it does include teenagers going out to a cabin in the woods, but it also includes two of the best little rednecks ever. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Fucking love Tucker and Dale versus Evil. This movie Evil. is perfect, and you can't tell me otherwise. Oh, it's so much fucking fun. It's one of the funniest horror comedies I've ever seen. 
I am a sucker for a good horror comedy, and this fucking does it right. It does the scary shit right. It yeah. does the funny shit right. And you get two of the best actors, like you said. You get Tyler oh Labine. Oh, God, yes. Tyler Labine, um, he's Dale. And then you get Tucker's played by the Alan, amazing Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Oh, I, I adore him because of Firefly and Serenity. I mean, he's been, and, he's the voice of Disney now. Like, right. He's, like, he's, in, he's in every Disney movie. Yes. Like, he's the best. Like, I love Alan Tudyk so much. And... He has one of my favorite quotes in the fucking movie where the sheriff is asking him about what's going on. And he says, Sheriff, we have had a doozy of a day. Like, I say that. That's one of those, when you're asking what's a random quote you think about on a daily basis, it's fucking that for me. Yeah, I think, like, you you would say that to an absolute stranger. They wouldn't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. But it's fine because love- everyone knows what it means. To this day, if somebody says, how you doing? I have had a doozy of a day. <laughs> Nobody gets it, but man, I fucking say it every chance I get because this movie is so funny. Well, also, even the way they cast the teens, like right. they cast them and directed them to act in a certain way that feels, because this movie came out in 2010, and it feels like the teens are stuck in 2002. It and does? I, you know what I mean? Now that you say that, like I fucking haven't really thought about it, but you're right, they because do. Because there's the one but character who's ironically named fucking chad oh he's of course he's chad. an absolute chad like he has like the popped polo collars he's got the and everything LaCosta. yes yeah and like he's so over the top and it's like you know that they were like um no like be more obnoxious when oh, you say that line he went like you can tell that full they're he did acting not stop. to be the way that they are yeah. they're not just it's not like a shitty b movie with like kind of half-ass acting no it's it like takes they talent all know what they're doing right it takes talent to look this bad exactly because right. even the main girl right. that's like with dale half the time who like oh, got hit in the head about or i love yeah. her like she she's acts and gives off total fucking bimbo energy like but she's also like smart this is why you need to watch 30 rock i'm telling you she's fucking amazing in 30 rock and that's i think that's the main reason why i ended up watching tucker and dale versus evil is because i love 30 rock she's in 30 rock and it was fucking hilarious it just as funny (laughs) i guess i'll have to give it a go i'm telling you like but you're right she gives off bimbo vibes as she does in 30 rock and she does in this movie but you again it's she knows what she's doing she Mm -hmm. plays the role perfectly you can tell like she read the script and understood the assignment immediately right out of the gate because it's a horror comedy so like yes they all do well i mean even the deaths like they're oh painful, God. but like the part whenever my probably my favorite one is whenever he's running at Tucker and Tucker moves out of the way. When the guy lunges, he goes into the wood chipper, the wood chipper. <laughs> and Tucker's like covered in buckets of blood. And he's like grabbed his legs and he's like shaking, trying to pull him out, even though his head's already fucking gone. Oh my God. And the other teenager sees it and it looks like he's shoving him it into like the he's wood shoving chipper. Him into it. I know. Oh my God. It's so amazing. See, you say that's your favorite scene. My favorite scene is. Uh, I think it's one of the first ones where the kid impales himself. Yeah, he's like, they're just running through the woods, and he just fucking impales himself. I'm like fucking crying here thinking about how funny this damn movie is. It's so good. And then he's like, what does he say? He's like, he's like, officer, would you believe all these teenagers came to our property or killing themselves? (laughs) It's like, it's so fucking absurd. But when you hear it, you're like, this is the funniest shit ever. Right, because... 
in any other horror movie, these two guys would be like the creepy, stereotyped guys that That's are killing people in the woods. That's and, the joke. And they're not. Right. And like, Dale gets the hot girl. Yeah, like, but I love the beginning when they're like, from the teenager's perspective, like you see yes. Dale and it, he, like Tyler Labine <laughs> plays it so fucking well. Like you think like, oh man. On one hand, I kind of want to see him play a serial killer now because right. he did such a good job at the that flipped perspective yeah. of looking like a total fucking lunatic. Right. He was great yeah. both ways. I love it. The point of views going back and forth in this movie oh, are awesome. Genius movie. I will put it up there with uh, Shaun of the Dead as one of my favorite horror comedies. Absolutely. And we'll get into more horror comedies in the future, so stick with us. We've got plenty of shit to talk about there. Uh, another Cabin in the Woods movie. We talked about this not long ago. Uh, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. Be careful, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead gonna get you. I I I enjoy Pumpkinhead a lot. Yes, this is another. I like this one because you have the group of teenagers that are going out to the cabin for Bingo. debauchery, but then they get fucked up along the way because they accidentally kill a dude's kid. And that guy is played by Lance Henriksen, fucking icon. Legend. And he basically decides to uh, go figure out how to summon Pumpkinhead so he can have his son back. Uh, It's a really fucked up necromancy type movie. Kind of a little pet cemetery where they don't quite come back right. Right. Um, But yeah, you get this crazy creature that's now hunting down this group of teenagers at their cabin in the mm-hmm. woods. Mm-hmm. I I love the cabin in the woods aspect of this movie because it's one when you when we were talking about the episode you said there were a few that you hadn't thought about. This is one I hadn't thought about cuz mm-hmm. I always remember it as a creature feature and pumpkin head just fucking just going through people. Right. You know, and Lance Henriksen and his amazing performance and how he struggles with, you know, his whole internal struggle through the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy that, but I completely forgot about the Cabin in the Woods element, but you're right. This is perfect. And it shows that Cabin in the Woods can really be anything. Like we were talking about earlier with Cabin with Cabin in the Woods, it's mm-hmm. fucking a cosmic horror. Yeah. We've got some slashers. We've got some comedy. Like, we've got a little bit of everything. And I yeah. think that's why I love, like, if I see a movie that's going to take place in a Cabin in the Woods, like, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's going to be mean, a good one. I mean, hell, we're going to get the knock at the cabin right, here. Right, a Shyamalan movie. Yeah. That's right. Super fucking excited about uh, that one. I think one. my boy Batista's going to be in it. I'm yeah. I'm really pumped and about Ron that. And Ron Weasley. Oh, that's right. Rupert's yeah. going to be in it. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, what is it? Knock at the Cabin? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Knock, yeah, knock at the at Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. That's, we're we're going to have to revisit this theme yeah. in the future. Talk about that one. That'll exactly. be a fun one. Uh, another one that we want to kind of touch upon here, because it is Total Cabin in the Woods, and it's one of mm-hmm. our favorites, is Dog Soldiers. Yeah, this one was kind of one of the ones I didn't think about, because it starts with, you know, most of the movie they take place there out in the woods, you know, doing these practices and these drills, uh, then it becomes a real life mission because there's a fucking werewolf. And they're literally held up at a cabin in the woods. Exactly. I mean, it, it becomes Duct their tape fortress. together, blocking the windows. Oh, God. You know, it's trying to keep the werewolves out. So, yeah, I, this is one I didn't think about. And, yeah. And we gushed all about this in our uh, werewolf episode. So, if you yeah. want to hear us talk about it more, definitely go back and check that out. But, man, I, I, I agree. Like, you can't argue that this is just a terrific Cabin in the Woods movie. And again, proof that Cabin in the Woods can be anything. Yeah. Like, the fact that we're getting fucking werewolves and the level (laughs) of werewolves we got in this movie. Oh, they're they're probably my favorite werewolf. I know everybody loves... 
you know, American Werewolf in London. But there's something cool about that scene where it stands all the way up and you see how tall it is. Yes. It's kick ass. Yes. I, I will say, like, the fucking design of the werewolves is truly fascinating I, and and like you said you mentioned american werewolf in london we've gushed about the haul, the howling mm-hmm. but with this one i think it's the best i think we can safely say probably best werewolf transformation and look yeah. of the 21st century i can I, i'll agree i think it, and i can't say it's the best werewolf movie of the 21st century right. because ginger snaps <laughs> right yeah. in there at 2000 i think ginger snaps would have been a great highlight for the late 90s but it's squeezed in early 2000s and oh, it's hard. Like it's a toss-up between those two. I love them both for such very different reasons. I agree. But 100. dog soldiers, oh, such so a, fucking such a, good. So yeah, kick-ass werewolf movie, kick-ass cabin in the woods movie. Yeah, gory as fuck. Oh like, hell It is yeah. like Neil Marshall. When doesn't I say pull duct tape together, I literally literally mean, duct tape like, together. They wrap a dude's guts back up until they can get him. And he out. somehow fucking survives having his guts out half the fucking movie. Right. Like I remember thinking, like this guy's got to die soon, and he's fucking just keeps going. Yep, just it's keeps going. Fucking unreal. I he's love it. Ass. I absolutely love it. So yeah, go check out Dog Soldiers. And again, if you want to hear us talk about it more, I think it was like episode three we tackled werewolves. So yeah. definitely check that out. That's a fun episode. It was a fun episode for sure. The movie we're gonna finish up on though, I uh, definitely wanted to give us a lot of time to talk about this one because it just blew us away. X. Such a fucking cool movie. Yes. When you said, oh, X. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because there's the farmhouse, but there is also the the little cabin home kind of. Little guest house kind guest of thing. Guest home thing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it totally works. It is a cabin in the woods movie because I'm telling you, they're, they're staying in there. They, they have some great emotional scenes like when they're playing music and waxing philosophical about, you know, the like, everything from. The death of the uh, the birth of the VHS and the death of all the previous you know oh, formats yeah. to the women's rights and you know uh, sexualization and mm-hmm. all of that just like like they have all and these the empowerment gr- and the empowerment exactly uh, saying that sex work is real work right and bingo it's, it's not you know women being down on themselves or anything that's no empowerment what these women do and this took place in the 70s obviously mm-hmm. the, the the story takes place in the 70s yeah and it's just fucking terrific it is it's we're gonna talk about this at the horizoid awards at the end of the yeah. year but man this this is gonna give this i wanted time to talk about this with cabin in the woods because it is it does encapsulate that genre and that theme and that concept so well because you do have these not teens, but young adults mm-hmm. go into the middle of nowhere. This happens to be Texas. So, you know, instead of the woods, we get kind of secluded Texas, middle of nowhere, backwoodsy kind, kind of, of feel. Swamp water. Swampy kind of shit going on there. And you're isolated. Big theme of these Cabin in the Woods movies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sex. Gotta have some sex in the Cabin well, in the you Woods know, movies. They are filming a porno. They're filming porn. And, and that's something... Uh, that I can say has altered my brain chemistry uh, is watching this movie in a movie theater because right. y- whenever you know I was like a toddler, there were still adult theaters uh-huh. that people would go to, and that's just not really a thing anymore. Right. And I feel like this is as close as you can ever get because it's very graphic when they're filming the porno- right. pornography you- scenes. And you're just sitting there, and there's other people in the theater, and you're like, all right, guys, hope you're all as cool as we are, because yeah. this is just a horror movie to us. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah, there happens to be some sex going on, but like, yeah. every, you know, 
It would have been awful if we saw this and there was like a bunch of teenagers in there. I think there uh, were a couple teenagers when uh, we saw when it. When we went and saw Pearl, there were. And that was... Um, actually, they looked like they were fucking 12. And I was like, I don't think that this how guy knew what... How the fuck did they get in? How they... Why are they here? Right. But with X, it's it's much more graphic. Yes. Um, but you get this, this great uh, creepy old lady. And it's not that she's old that makes her creepy. It's the way she just like lurks around windows and... Uh, obviously, her makeup makes her look a little right. scary, as it is Mia Goth playing her, who's a pearl. Right. Uh, but I love how it all kind of comes full full circle with that oh my pearl gosh. movie. It, it, yeah. Well, and I that's the other thing that's so cool is, you know, we went and saw this in theaters, and we stick around, and then there's a fucking trailer for Pearl, and Ugh. we were just like what like yeah we're already getting the sequel yeah and, yeah and it's like talk about a surprise like that's never happened before like yeah there's been movies that are planned to come out at a certain you know interval and they've been filmed at the same time and it's like we didn't even fucking know we no. were like here's x and then oh you're gonna have a sequel and it's yeah. coming out this year uh, and I'm glad we saw it in theaters like immediately because I remember all the headlines the next day were like Ty West debuts a uh, trailer for secret sequel filmed in right. secret. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> did like, you know the secret? Did you know it yeah. was a secret? And, and it's, it's like, like obviously, yeah. you know, unless you went, you know, a day without the internet before go seeing this movie, it was immediately spoiled. Was, and like, yeah. we were, we were very lucky to go see it the night that it came out. And that yeah. was a surprise to us. Yeah. Oh, it was it floored me, and yeah, we talked all about Pearl in our double feature episodes uh, with yeah. Barbarians, so definitely go check that out. But X, X was what set the stage, and I remember I was so pumped about this movie. Like it was Ty West's comeback to film. Like his his last full feature didn't really get a lot of love, and that right. really bums me out. And I don't think it was really his fault, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. But and you know, so he kind of just stuck to TV. But I'm so glad he came back to doing Me big too. pictures. I love the way he sees things because uh, uh, oh yeah, so well said. I 100% agree. Before you say that's uh, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Well, and there's so much in this movie. You know, like obviously they, you can tell that these uh you know, this group of adults, they're trying to film a porno in like an artistic way. Like they're talking about angles and things like that. And it's so interesting to me because as you watch this movie, they play with angles so much. Um, one of the best scenes, while it makes you uncomfortable, is the scene where Maxine is swimming, you know, she's like skinny dipping in the lake. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge view, like drone view from above and you see her swimming back, but off to the right side of the screen, you see the gator come into See, view. one of them gators come and get her. And she's just floating there, and it's getting closer, and it's getting closer. And then when it's, it changes, you get that close-up that everyone's seen where she's in the water, and it's just up by her face. And then the next camera angle, it's back up again. The perfect A24 shot, as I call it. Right, exactly. And it's not just scenes like this. There's so many other... Uh, the one where there's the murder in front of the van and oh, the scene goes movie. red yeah. as the the blood basically hits dancing. the headlights and she's oh, dancing. It's so yeah. Good. It's so it, fucking it's good. It's just I don't know, I can't explain it, but the way he sees things, the way he wants things to look, the angles that you get, you can tell that everything is so thought out from scene mm -hmm. to scene, whether it's them filling porn or a pitchfork murder or the really low scene in the barn where you can see the nail that's mm -hmm. sticking up and the barefoot guys walking towards oh, it. Oh God. 
and but that's the thing is like you can show the nail and then you can show the guy walking but it's to keep that view the whole time <laughs> and, right it's set it up so perfectly yeah. like uh, I, this is high praise but I, I i do love ty west and and I, I really think he might be my favorite filmmaker of the 21st century no disrespect to jordan peele or ari aster or anybody else i just think ty west between this and house of the devil and innkeepers and the uh sacrament just all of his fucking movies like exactly what natalie said he is such a visionary Mm -hmm. he sees things like the way normal people don't see like it's just it's it's gorgeous the way he creates his films and he gives you this perspective that i don't i've never seen another filmmaker give you right it's you know there's other filmmakers um you know i feel like can kind of capture you know their own style like you can watch it and you're like obviously i know who's who's filming this but he is he's one of those it's not that there's a ton of people that are bad at filmmaking. It's just, there's something artistic about every single scene transition and view that he uses. Right. Same thing with Pearl. Yeah. Same thing with Pearl. Like the way he films, the way he shoots, the way he sets up the shot, what he can get out of his actors. It's Mm -hmm. like the, I remember watching the innkeepers and the girl who plays the lead actress in that. I fucking hated her. Like I've seen her in a, but she was like, I think she was a Disney kid. Like, I don't remember liking her in anything I'd ever seen her in. I thought she was fucking terrific in the innkeepers. I loved innkeepers. Innkeepers is amazing. It's such a scary movie and it's a cool ghost movie, but even then it's, it's filmed so fucking pretty. It's a gorgeous (laughs) fucking movie. I've I've noticed something that he does. I feel like, you know, a lot of these guys probably get inspiration, you know, from other directors, obviously, but I feel like he always has the wide, uh, Wes Anderson shot in every movie. Like in Pearl, it's her riding on her bike, with the cornfield behind her. And it's like, he does those a lot. He's horror Wes Anderson. I think that's (laughs) it. Yeah. I think Ty West is like, he is our Wes Anderson of horror because he, he he does film. He has this very distinct style. You're absolutely right. The same way Wes Anderson does. Like right, he doesn't you, film like him, but he films inspired inspired by him. Yeah. Like, well, it, I I think it's just the similar techniques and the way mm-hmm. that they know how to set up a shot in a signature way that just. See, you make, keep saying setting up a shot, and like I think that's literally that's it right because it is knowing exactly where you have to put that camera to get that perfect shot it's like the opening to house of the devil when that's perfect 70s horror movie opening where she's just rocking out with her headphones on and those like those beautiful gorgeous shots and the way the titles are interlaid into the scene and it's just everything that he does Mm -hmm. we're gushing a lot about ty west but (laughs) he deserves it like he is like I, I will stand by this. I think he's my favorite filmmaker of the 21st century. Like well, I, he can do no wrong. I agree. And you know, X and Pearl have been two movies that have rocked the boat. I saw a really good video the other day of a girl uh, talking about, it. she's like, all right, I got to watch this. Cause them white hose are all over this movie. And I was the like, white hose yeah. are all over this movie. And That's true. You know, we've seen a lot of comparisons of, Oh, the way the men were over the jokers, how we're going to be over Pearl because she's just this fucking. I could maniac, see it. She is, she is. It's very Arthur Fleck though. I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, no one can say really good for her. It's like, she's really fucking scary. Um, yeah. and it's such but, a bleak ending, obviously, cause we know where things end up in, right. in X. So, yeah, I mean, it's because, it, yeah, it's, it, but it's that's something full circle so well. I can say as well with his filmmaking and with this movie, uh, you know, X and Pearl is like, you got X and then you get a prequel 
And a lot of time, I feel like when you get a prequel, it's like, uh, I mean, I already know where it's going, like, whatever. But it's like, it really pulled you in. Like, everybody loves Pearl, even though she's an awful fucking friend. (laughs) She's she's an awful friend. She's a a star. She's a star. I'm a star. And it's like, yeah, she's insane. She's, like, killing everybody. And, like, her husband's just like, okay, I'll accept this. Clearly, he's cool with it. Everybody loves her. Like, there were so many people dressed up like her for Halloween. Mm -hmm. There's been so much artwork and appreciation for her. And it's just really kudos cool to again see. to Mia Goth. Like I Absolutely. cannot heap enough praise on her. She like we we talk about Ty West and how great he is. Like mm-hmm. he will be the first to tell you that Mia Goth was his partner in yeah. all of this, and she deserves just as much credit as he as yeah, he does. She's been amazing. I can't yeah. fucking wait for Maxine. Oh Maxine, which will be the third film and mm-hmm. you know culminating our trilogy as we can assume. I or you know who knows maybe he plans on keeping this fucking going beyond Maxine. But yeah. I'm ready for the third. I'm ready for another movie, and this is going to be in the 80s and i just picture like there was a lot of cocaine and x i cannot imagine the amount yeah. of cocaine we're gonna see it's in gonna maxine be, it's gonna be a lot of porn and drugs and neon lights a lot of booger sugar booger, booger. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just telling you it's gonna be a fucked up movie and i can't wait yeah i'm, I'm so excited no you're right folks that was our episode on cabin in the woods type movies that environment, it just, something about that just speaks to us. It's so fun, and it's so scary. It can be both. And you get so much, like I said, I keep talking about this, but I think that's probably one thing I love about this, is anytime I see a Cabin in the Woods movie, I don't know what I'm getting. Like, I could right. get a werewolf movie, I could get a fucking uh, found footage movie, I could get a zombie Cosmic movie, horror. Cosmic horror, I could get anything. But I know, I know it's going to be good. Like yeah. I, I like all these movies on our list. Like, yeah, we were shitting on Cabin in the Woods or no Cabin Fever. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we're shitting on Cabin Fever. But it's it, there's still a part of us that loves it or we wouldn't watch it. We wouldn't, right. you know, talk about and it. And there's worse movies that we didn't talk about that we still watch because right. they're just right. fun. Even just even yeah. watch horror movies and have fun. Right. Like even a wounded fawn. Like we didn't. Yeah. 100 percent enjoy it. But, no, but it was fucking beautiful. Yeah, it was and a great movie cool in its own right. Same with Cabin Fever. It's a good trash horror movie. Yeah. And there's just, sometimes you just need those. Sometimes you need to skip a big three-course dinner meal and just get some McDonald's. (laughs) Just go through the drive-thru and get some McDonald's. (laughs) That's Cabin Fever. That's Cabin Fever. (laughs) It's a double cheeseburger with a side of fries, and who can forget that good Coke? (laughs) Nothing like McDonald's Coke, man. That's You can't beat it. And that's where we'll end it, with McDonald's Coke this week. Yeah. And with that, folks, we will leave you with this. Shop smart. Shop as smart. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every weekend. Follow us on TikTok at Pod and send emails to HorrorZoidPod at gmail.com with your thoughts, questions, and stories for us to read on a future episode. To all our Zoids out there, stay scary.